Welcome to Words to Live By, a podcast series hosted by the Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation and Institute. Each week, we will share some of the wit and wisdom of Ronald Reagan. In essence, Words to Live By, made up of radio addresses and speeches he delivered from the 1960s through the 1980s. Today, we're well aware of the ongoing debate regarding how much aid we should send Ukraine and exactly what our level of involvement should be. Well, it's a question many administrations have faced, and President Reagan's was no exception. In his case, the hotbed was the Middle East, particularly 39 years ago, when Israel invaded Lebanon, marching all the way into Beirut. By October 1983, the conflict in the Middle East, despite our efforts to be part of a multinational peacekeeping force, well, the conflict continued to escalate. Syria, Hezbollah, well, pick a terrorist organization. They all engaged, and the action was intense in Lebanon. So in today's podcast, we're going to examine two radio addresses, one in 1978. That one is focused on the UN's aid to Lebanon and how the Soviet bloc did not fulfill its financial obligation to the UN. And then we'll hear our 40th president's perspective on our nation's commitment to Lebanon in 1983. Of course, this is 15 years later. And in both cases, the Soviet Union was supporting the enemy. So let's begin by going back. At the Reagan Presidential Library, we are so fortunate to have in our archives these radio addresses written and delivered by Governor Reagan after he left Sacramento before he entered the Oval Office. Specifically, there's one address he delivered in April 1978. That's two and a half years before his election as president. So in, in this address, he analyzes the UN's role in providing foreign aid, and the recipient even then was Lebanon. Of course, the Soviet Union and its slave states behind the Iron Curtain, as Reagan referred to them, well, they hadn't paid their UN assessments, ultimately coming to over $82 billion. In relation to the current conflict with Ukraine, the European Union and its countries have provided the most to Ukraine, according to the Kiel Institute, whereas the United States has by far provided the most in military aid. And the UN? Well, through a, an international humanitarian flash appeal, the UN has contributed $3.8 billion directed specifically to humanitarian aid. So let's get started. Let's go back to 1978. This one is entitled, No Pay, No Vote. Let's listen. Why shouldn't nations like people be posted for not paying their dues? Custom and tradition require members of an organization to be paid up or lose voting rights. I'll be right back. It goes without saying that the United States has proven its generosity again and again. Other nations owe us tens of billions of dollars, but they aren't asked to pay up. We're first on the scene to bring aid when natural disaster strikes, and our Marshall Plan and subsequent foreign aid program are unique in all history. We helped allies and erstwhile enemies alike, with need being the only criteria, all of which qualifies us now to make a long overdue move in the United Nations. A United Nations peacekeeping force in Lebanon is estimated to cost $68 million in the first six months. The United Nations is already $166 million in debt for other peacekeeping chores going all the way back to 1948 and including the UN Emergency Force in Sinai from 1956 to 67, the Congo operation in 1960 to 64, and the current observer force activities in the Middle East. 
We've paid our share for all these UN undertakings. Besides, we pay a fourth or more of the entire United Nations budget. The Soviet Union and its satellite states have refused to pay some 82 million in assessments for their share of these UN activities. They claim that since they disapprove of the actions, they don't have to pay. Back in 1964, there was quite a fuss when the United States and several Western powers threatened to invoke charter sanctions and deny voting rights to the delinquent nations. Unfortunately, we only threatened. It therefore should come as no surprise to us that the Soviet Union has made plain that it has no intention of supporting the peacekeeping force in Lebanon, that it is opposed to the functions of the force and believes Israel should be made to pay the entire cost. This should bring the Soviet unpaid bill up to a hundred million dollars or more. The Soviets even refused to consider the creation of a permanent United Nations peacekeeping fund. A UN financial expert has been quoted as saying, if anything brings down the United Nations, I think the financial tangle will. I'll refrain from expressing an opinion on whether that would be good or bad, but one thing does need doing. If a club member, or in many cases a union member, is delinquent in his dues, he loses privileges, including the right to vote, till he pays up. Since the United States holds the unchallenged record for financial responsibility in the UN, why shouldn't our ambassador officially move that voting rights be denied the Soviet Union, and this time make it stick? If they threaten to pack up and go home, what will have been lost? Can anyone remember a single instance in which the Soviet Union has contributed anything of lasting value? The Korean War, we tend to forget, was fought under the UN flag with the Soviet Union lending comfort and aid to the enemy. If the United Nations would take such an action, it might acquire a soul. If it refuses, then we could take a walk and discover we still have one. This is Ronald Reagan. Thanks for listening. More about Russia, Lebanon, and the controversial topic of military aid right after this message. The Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation is the nonprofit organization created by President Reagan himself and specifically charged by him with continuing his legacy and sharing his principles, individual liberty, economic opportunity, global democracy, and national pride. We must remain vigilant and work together to share these conservative principles with younger generations. Your role is critical to move our mission forward Thank you for your continued support. Please visit reaganfoundation.org slash give. That's reaganfoundation.org slash give. Now, back to the story. The year, 1983, October 40 years ago. Recall that the Camp David Accords were signed in September 1978. Also recall that Anwar Sadat was assassinated in October 1981, and that Israel invaded Lebanon in June 1982. And they did so despite the president receiving Begin's promise that we would give Israel whatever aid it needed as long as it did not become the invader. And sadly, they ignored the president's request. Let's listen to the president. My fellow Americans, I'm sure you're all aware of the debate during recent days and weeks with regard to our Marines in Lebanon. Congress, on a strong bipartisan basis, has passed a resolution approving their presence there for 18 months, if need be. But in the debate, many questions were raised as to what they were doing there and whether their presence there was in our national interest. In the midst of all this debate, I received a letter from the father of a young Marine corporal stationed in Beirut, Lebanon. 
Justly proud of his son, he enclosed a clipping from his hometown paper. It was a letter to the editor written by his son. And here's what the young corporal had to say about the Marines and whether or not there was a reason for their presence in Lebanon. His family had been sending him the hometown paper, and he'd noticed, quote, editorials and opinions denouncing American involvement in the various trouble spots of the world, particularly Central America and the Middle East. He went on to say, I've been keeping up with what's happening in Central America, and I have first-hand knowledge of what is happening in the Middle East. In the case of Central America, the general American consensus is to stay out, that we're getting into another Vietnam. Whenever American military forces go abroad, the average American believes that we should keep to ourselves and mind our own business. I'm not an advocate of war, he says, as I've seen the ravages of war here in Lebanon. War is a very terrible thing, yet when diplomatic methods fail, we must be prepared to defend and, if necessary, to die for what we believe in, for the American way of life. I do not enjoy being here in Beirut. My fellow Marines and I miss the simple yet wonderful aspects of life back home that so many take for granted. Yet we realize we'll be going home in a few months. But the people of, say, El Salvador or Lebanon are home. For them, there is no escape. It is our duty as Americans to stop the cancerous spread of Soviet influence, wherever it may be, because someday, we or some future generation will wake up and find the USA to be the only free state left with communism upon our doorstep. And then it will be too late. A young Marine corporal writing from Beirut, Lebanon to his hometown paper. There's no doubt in his mind about the need for us to have a presence there. But many of us are not that sure. Many believe we are involving ourselves needlessly in someone else's quarrel and should bring our young men home and mind our own business. The corporal may not have spelled out the specifics as to why it was in our best interest to be there, but he was certainly correct in his conclusion that it is our business. Can the United States or the free world stand by and see the Middle East incorporated into the Soviet bloc? What of Western Europe and Japan's dependence on Middle East oil for the energy to fuel their industry? Do we remember the oil embargo in the lines at our own gas stations? And didn't we assume a moral obligation to the continued existence of Israel as a nation back in 1948? I've never heard anyone in this country ever suggest that we should abandon that obligation. A little over a year ago, I proposed a peace initiative for the entire Middle East. It was based in the Camp David Accords and the United Nations Resolutions 242 and 338. We offered our help in bringing the Arab states and Israel together in negotiations to settle the long-standing disputes that had kept that entire area in turmoil for many years. We sought more peace treaties, like the one between Egypt and Israel. Lebanon, the site of refugee camps for a great many Palestinians, had been torn by strife for several years. There were factions, each with its own militia, fighting each other. Terrorists in Lebanon violated Israel's northern border, killing innocent civilians. Syrian forces occupied the eastern part of Lebanon. Israeli military finally invaded from the south to force the PLO attackers away from the border. There could be no implementation of our peace initiative until this situation was resolved. With our allies, England, France, and Italy, we proposed a withdrawal of all foreign forces from Lebanon and formed a multinational force to help maintain order and stability in the Beirut area while a new Lebanese government and army undertook to restore sovereignty throughout Lebanon. Over the course of several months, Lebanon and Israel negotiated a friendly agreement for security of the border between the two. We stand by this as a good agreement. 
But Syria, which had earlier agreed to withdraw if Israel did, changed its mind and today has some 5,000 Soviet advisors and technicians and a massive amount of new Soviet equipment in its country, including a new generation of surface-to-surface -surface missiles, the SS-21. We have to wonder aloud about Syrian protestations of their peaceful intentions. For a year, we've continued diplomatic negotiations leading to the present ceasefire. President Jamal is committed to a process of national reconciliation as the means to end factional fighting. The presence of our Marines as part of the multinational force demonstrates that Lebanon does not stand alone. Peace for the Middle East and a fair settlement of the Palestinian problem is truly in our national interest. Until next week, thanks for listening and God bless you. Thank you for listening. For more information on the Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation and Institute, including information on how to become a member, information on upcoming exhibits at the Reagan Library, and more information on the legacy of President Reagan, please visit reaganfoundation.org. And don't forget to like and follow the Reagan Foundation on all social media platforms. Don't forget to subscribe to the Words to Live By podcast in your iTunes or Google Play stores and on other podcast platforms as they become available. New episodes of Words to Live By come out every Tuesday. Like what you hear? Check out our A Reagan Forum podcast, featuring great speeches delivered at the Reagan Library. New episodes drop every Thursday. And don't forget to follow at Ronald Reagan on Facebook, at Ronald Reagan 40 on Twitter, and Reagan Foundation on YouTube. Also, search for us on SoundCloud and Stitcher.